to The Grid is for Squares, the podcast where two millennials uh, build a sustainable off-the-grid property. I am Amy. And I'm Vince. Today we are smoking, what are we smoking? I believe this is Sour Diesel. Ooh, Sour Diesel. I feel like we didn't really get that high last time. We were really on our shit. I feel like we were really on topic. No meandering. I guess that's good. That's okay. We leaned heavily into the sativas for these because they're very cerebral. <laughs> it's middle ground. We want to be ourselves, but we want to give good information too. And we want to get high. <laughs> All right. So the topic for today is our long, exhausting search for potential properties. Um, how long we've been doing it, what's worked for us, what hasn't worked, any tips for the search process, all that good stuff. Um so just to remind everybody about our parameters, uh, Vince, what are our parameters? All right. We are looking for 15 to 40 acres. Our price range is like 40 to 100,000. Um, we started looking in the coast ranges at first, but given our budget, we're thinking more Sierra foothills. For me, it's like the range of the Redwood or the Sequoia. Yeah, so like the thing is we want to be in the mountains, right? And in California, that basically means like coastal range or it means Sierras. Coastal ranges would be lovely. Who wouldn't want to live in fucking San Luis Obispo or something? Big Sur. But it is exorbitantly expensive. So we realized really soon on that like that is as lovely as that would be. It's just not an option for us. We also moved away from snow in the Midwest. So we really don't want to get too high into the Sierras. Yeah. Uh, where so we that's, could get snowed in. That's so. the other thing. It's like we want to be in the mountains, but we don't want like two feet of snow. So it's mm -hmm. a really delicate balance. And it, it sort of has ended up narrowing our search range a bit in a good way, I think, because then, yeah. you know, we're not just throwing darts at a board all with a map of California on it. We're actually sort of honing in on what right. works for us. It's also important to me to be uh, less than five hours, I'd say, ideally three to four, but really less than five hours from Los Angeles, because this is still sort of our base of operations. This is where our friends are. This is where my theater company is located. But my mom's in Napa, so I sort of see it as we're equidistant between L.A. and San Francisco. That would also be a lot of our market. Right. People we'd be pulling, people working tech jobs, people who are far too connected to their phones. Right. For the retreats, you mean. For the retreats yeah. that, you know, we'd want to be equidistant to both markets. Right. So uh, what we've been doing to actually look for places is basically start with, you know, an online search. Uh, Zillow, we've found, <clears throat> has worked the best. Um, there's some other sites that you can check out. Um, we looked at landwatch.com, uh, landsofamerica.com, landflip.com, uh, even Craigslist. But I've definitely found over the course of a couple of years of doing this that Zillow is kind of by far the best, mostly because of their search parameters, like the kinds of parameters that they allow you to put in to narrow down your search. You can draw a box, whereas the other sites I think we're finding, you can search by county. Um, or city, which or is especially city. unhelpful for what we're looking for. Right. But we're sort of looking at, you know, anywhere from like five to 10 counties in California that we can't search individually. So instead, it's nice to just be able to draw a box that is our range. Well, and the other thing is counties are large, right? At least in Central California, there's like Kern County and Tulare County and Fresno County. They all sort of span both the Central Valley and some of the Sierras, which isn't really that helpful because if you're looking for prop like 
20 acres for $50,000 in Kern County, it'll mostly just show you friggin' like desert plots in the middle of the Central Valley, um, which yeah, is not helpful. Yeah, if you're looking for cheap land and lots of it, um, you can certainly find, you know, deals like 100 acres uh, in Lake Los Angeles for $5,000. And it sounds really appealing to be by Lake Los Angeles until you look at a map and you see that there is no such thing. Uh, the, <laughs> the lake exists, is made of sand. Yeah, it's a lake of sand and dirt roads, and it's totally flat, and it can be yours for very, very little money. <laughs> right. So for that reason, it's not very helpful to search by county because there's only the eastern mountainous parts of all of these counties that really are applicable to us, and the whole rest of the county is just like garbage for us, for what we want. So yeah, the fact that you can search by map and like really narrow down specifically where you're looking has been really helpful. So then Zillow just has like a save this property function. So I, you know, the last half hour or so before I fall asleep while I'm laying in bed with my phone, almost every night, I would say for the last like two years, I just spend that 20 minutes or 30 minutes in bed looking at properties. And, you know, you can't really trust your 11 p.m. laying in bed brain but you can favorite it and then you can look at it later in the light of day and share it with other people and then you can be like oh yeah actually that was a pretty good find it's really hard to want to even look into a property if it doesn't have any pictures at all yeah so having pictures is pretty important um but then after that the big frustration i have with really all listings whether they're online or i'm sure paper had this problem too is the descriptions are very vague when it comes to figuring out exactly where it is. The addresses start with zero. Uh, if you type it in, you know, it's not going to show you where it is. So you really have to do a lot of the hunting yourself. And so that's where I get on um, Google Maps usually and try to match up from their description. They say it's 35 acres. So then you have to try to zoom in and find a box that is 35 acres. Yeah, and you can switch to like property lines or lot lines. It's, what is, it's what is just the, the basic and... maps view, but you have to zoom in really far mm. to get it. It's not available everywhere, um, but where it is, I think they're pulling from the same county data or the same ArcGIS, whatever, um, whatever data what does they're that pulling mean? from is the same. <laughs> ArcGIS yeah. is the global infographic system um what's the arc fuck if i know <laughs> sorry i didn't mean to put you on the spot yeah really i've just heard that before and i've always wondered what it meant yeah yeah um, i thought you might know because you know everything it's a mapping tool um that a lot of government agencies use um but at any rate um you find the lot lines you get within maybe 10 feet the fact that we have GPS and cell phones these days makes a big difference. I was just talking to my boss the other day, and he bought some land and had to go out there with a paper map and no GPS, and he was using, you know... A, God, a, it's so hard even this right? way. I can't even imagine. Right. So he managed to, to get close, and, you know, maybe he was within 100 feet, and then lo and behold, he found a marker from the USGS, and he knew he was right on. Um we probably don't have the benefit of one of those where we're looking, but we do have cell phones. So you can find the plot usually on Google Maps and you can just find the the lot line that roughly matches up with it and, you know, kind of contextualize to figure out if that's the one. 
Every once in a while, a Zillow listing will have the plat map or property lines map as one of the pictures that is available, which is super helpful. I also wish that they all would have the GPS coordinates of the property. It's the easiest thing. Because that would be so much, oh my God, it would save us so much time and energy. Two floating point decimals, damn it. <laughs> but anyway, between all of these methods, we manage usually to plot out on Google Maps where the lines of this property actually are. Um, a lot of the time they're squares, but sometimes they're long rectangles. Sometimes they're like weird arc shapes. It, it yeah, really and this might be where it pays to get uh, on Google Earth or satellite view um, because you can see sometimes it's it's one really long, narrow property and it's between two really, really far apart roads. Like they're, it's really steep between the two roads, which kind of precludes any kind of development. Um, so that's how we early on sort of eliminate. Yeah, so you do this cool thing like. on Google Google Maps, not even Google Earth, although it would probably Either one would work, be even but... better on Google Earth. Um, but anyway, where you can like see, you can tilt the map in three dimensions so you can see where the mountains are and where the valleys are and stuff. It's so cool. It's like you're just rotating the Earth at, at your leisure as if you were a god. It's an amazing future we live in. Um, so yeah, then that gives us an idea of like, okay, now that we're seeing this in sort of three dimensions, would this be something that would work for us? However, it can also be misleading because a lot of the times those satellite views are a real bummer. Like everything just looks brown and dead because the satellite that, flew over in August. Right. Or like, do they even capture all of the trees necessarily in the, I uh, guess if they're it there, doesn't, they take a picture of it. But. Yeah. It doesn't capture depth in the same way. It takes a picture and maybe it takes some other satellites, um, infrared or radar data for the elevation, but it's still not to the point where it draws you individual trees. So it can look like a really wide open in a bad way mm -hmm. kind of place. It can look exceptionally dry and just untenable. Um, most of California doesn't look that pretty from space. <laughs> it's the golden state. Everything's brown. <laughs> yep. Most of the year. Um, it's also just so hard to get a sense of the scale. I think that's the weirdest, hardest, most interesting part that I've found in this process of like the pictures that the realtor provides only can show a small part of it at a time. And it's not even their fault. Like we've found that when we go to places and try to take pictures, it just, it never turns 40 out. acres yeah. is so big. It doesn't look that big when you're looking at it on Google Maps. It just looks like, oh sure, here's this box. But then when you actually set foot on the mm -hmm. land, you realize, oh holy shit, 40 acres is enormous. We're city folk and most of you are probably city folk. So the, the comparison I always try to make when I go home then is to to draw that acreage around my <laughs> my house yeah and just imagine owning like 20 to 50 city blocks in your town it's so much space <laughs> 40 acres is what like a quarter mile on each side what did you say yeah it would be a mile all the way around uh -huh. if it's a perfect square right. that's 40 acres um and it actually led us to reduce our our maximum range we realized right. you know even 60 acres is is almost too much it's unless the a really good deal came along it's more land than we would ever need right so once we do all of that internet research if a place checks enough boxes or passes enough tests for us to want to go see it then the next step 
that we've been doing is that I, since I'm home during the day, since I freelance uh, and Vince has a real person job, I make phone calls. I call the real estate agents that are listed on the Zillow listing um, and ask them usually a set of questions that aren't answered in the Zillow listings we found. One of which is, does it have an HOA or CCNR, which I think is... That's one of our no-nos. That's one of our deal breakers. Community codes and regulations, I think it's Um, it's called. Um, What does HOA stand for, Amy? Homeowners Association. Ooh. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we don't really want any part of that. Um, Yeah, the main thing is that they can just stop you from building what you want to build, which is sort of not the point. Yeah, it's not really private anymore if they're telling you everything to be the same color as the first building you build or you have to use the same architectural stuff uh, you get the idea and furthermore you typically pay dues every year to belong to something like that right um anyway so that's something that i i ask the real estate agent when we call when i call um ask about access we've learned to ask, ask about access um are there any other questions that i ask them before we get around to visiting I think that's the main stuff. Can we visit it? Right. Can, can we, we visit, visit it, it ourselves? And this goes to the point of if you can just go there and look at it by yourself, that's usually best. Um, we've had a couple bad experiences with, you know, obviously we live in L.A. It's a really long drive. Um, and, you know, we would rather not waste any time meeting up with the realtor, talking about things we already know. So a lot of times we've done the research already. We know where the property corners are. We just need the realtor to unlock the gate. Um, right. Well, we're also just sort of like introverts who don't like being told what to do. Um, so the idea, you know, the idea that a professional is there basically trying to sell this to you is sort of nerve wracking a bit. It feels like it puts us on the spot. And it's difficult to assess the property subjectively, which right. is the way you have to. Right. When you feel like you have there. to be like selling your reaction I know that's not how it's supposed to work. We're just broken people. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's how I, that is how I feel when a real estate agent is showing me the property is I have to like put on this theater of being really excited about it or like, I don't know. It's, yeah. It just, Where it does make there, it feel hard, hard to take it objectively. You can go there by yourself or, you know, with someone you love and you can spend 15 minutes looking at a leaf if you want and you can sit down and have a picnic and really talk about it. Or you can spend 15 minutes looking at it and be like, nope, this is not the one for us. We're, we're leaving. Right. Instead of, you know, dragging it out into a half hour where you, you know, aren't willing to admit to right. the realtor. Sure, maybe this, this could we work could for maybe. us. I mean, these all sound more like issues with our personalities than with the process. But anyway, <laughs> the point but is... if you have issues out there, you should, you should deal with them, you know, before you start looking for land. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so then I ask if we can see it and every once in a while there's like a locked gate or something like Vince said, and the realtor has to be there to show it to us. Most of the places we're looking at because they're so rural, the realtor has given us permission to just like, yeah, sure. Drive up, have a picnic, do whatever you want. Walk around. I don't care. Give me money later, maybe. Um, which is nice because then we can spend as little or as much time as we want. We've had a few picnics visiting places, um, but it's, it's tough to find the right middle ground between, like, wanting to see as many places as possible to make the best decision possible. But also, we live three to five hours from these places, and so it's not a small feat to go up and visit. It's a whole day. It's a road trip. It's an exhausting day. Yeah, I'm starting to get uh, a little fatigued from, you know, entire weekends just driving up yeah. and, 
and looking. It's always really invigorating, especially when you find something that has promise. Um, and it's really important that we take the time and see as many places as we can before we make a decision that might potentially affect the rest of our lives. Here's um, a tip. Try to take decent notes uh, when you're visiting places so that then you don't later, late at night, be looking on Zillow and, and think, did we visit that property? I feel like we visited that property. Did we like it? I don't remember. Or you're on your way you home. Because then you drove for like 10 hours for nothing. What are you doing? Or even better, you're on your way home from a property and you see one more on the map. And you're like, hey, this is right out of our way. We can go there. And then as you're driving down, you realize, oh, yeah, we've been here oh, before. Shit, we've been here. Deja vu. But you want to just check it out again just... anyway. Why didn't we like this one? Let's let's go see why we didn't like it. I mean, it was decent. It was an okay place. <laughs> um, <laughs> Maybe we just lowered our standards. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, geotag your pictures if you can. So when you take pictures of multiple properties in one day, you know which they're from. And you can go into Zillow and tag properties that you've saved. Um, so I've started trying to tag them with visited and too dry or consider or difficult to access. You know, just so when I'm scrolling back through my saved properties in Zillow, I can be like, oh, yeah, that's what that one was. That was why we didn't like it. Let's move on. Real quick safety tip just <laughs> occurred to me. Um, you do want to be reasonably certain when you're looking at a property that it's the right one. Um, just depending on, on where you're looking, uh, especially, um, just remember that like people have guns. Oh, oh, the right one. Like, yeah, you haven't. Yeah. Wrong, not the, the one next property. door. This is where GPS coordinates mm -hmm. and like making a mark. So the other thing you can do if you're a cell phone user, as I am, is you can save maps offline um, and then you can save those corner points in there. Even if you don't have cell phone service, you're still going to get that little blue dot that's going to show you where you are. Um, but it just bears mentioning because people can shoot you if you're on their <laughs> property. And that's not something you want. Uh, no, that is that is not something that you want. <laughs> Sorry to derail the whole train there. No, no. Safety is always important. Safety, Safety is first. the number one priority. Um, and bring lots of water as well. Don't forget oh, sure. water. It's very important. Um, sorry, go ahead. Should we talk about poison oak too while we're Oh, God, we're or it? ticks? Uh-huh. This really, I swear, do it. It's great. Do it. But, oh, my God. You know, just remember that, yeah, it's not the city. And, like, the the natural world doesn't give a shit So about many thorns. So many thorns. burrs and prickles. Yeah. Ugh. You got to hack and slash through it. Sometimes yeah. you just got to put on the bug spray. Yeah. It's um, worth it. Yeah. Um, so far, we've visited uh, like 10 to 15 properties. What would you say? Over the past two years? Over the past two years, yeah. Probably, something like that. Uh -huh. um, we usually try to grab a couple in a day because if we're driving four hours north, we might as well mm -hmm. drive five hours north and hit two properties. Yeah. Um, but so far, they've all pretty much had like some kind of fatal flaw. Um which kind of makes sense because we're looking at a lot of land for really not very much money. So they all kind of have a catch of some kind or another. What what have some of our other deal breakers been? Oh, one we saw last weekend had this weird road access issue where like... Oh, an easement, right. Yeah, so there's a dirt road that comes up. There's a paved road that goes all the way up in the mountains. And then off of the paved road is a dirt road. And there's a gate that stops the dirt road. Um, and... The 
property is inside that gate along with a couple of neighbors, one of whom owns the, owns the gate and will not grant access to it. Um, so basically part of the deal of getting this property is that you have to sweet talk the neighbor into giving you an easement to use their road to get your property. And technically in California, it's illegal to have a landlocked property. So we could take them to court and say, like, no, you have to give us this easement because it's illegal to have a landlocked property. But it would property. be court fees but for like, everybody. But, like, who wants to fucking deal with that? You know, that's how you want to start your land right. ownership process, by suing your neighbor? Right. No, I don't think so. So um, the alternative is to grease the wheels and to essentially bribe them for, you know, realtors suggested around $5,000 to just you know, one time grant the easement, but uh-huh. the kind of thing we want to do would kind right. of defy directly. Right. I feel what like they're trying to do the kind of person that doesn't even want their neighbor to have access to their road is the kind of person that gets hives if you mentioned the word Airbnb. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we figured that was just too disparate of goals to start off a bad relationship with our neighbors. Um, what if some of our other deal deal breakers? Uh, well, zoning. If it's uh, agricultural zoning. Um, specifically, uh, there are limits to the number of permanent structures. Um, but weren't we, didn't we find out that most rural land of this acreage is going to be zoned agriculture? There's not really like 40 acres of residential land. Well, there are a few, uh, rare exceptions, um, ours being one we're going to talk about later, um, that are zoned agricultural rural um, yeah, sorry, I don't got it. I don't got it. <laughs> um, what were our other deal breakers? Did, what, like, what issues, what other issues have we found um, going to properties that we realized were deal breaker? Oh, one of, like, just too steep, too undevelopable, too dry. One of them in the southern part of our sort of range that we've been looking I don't know. I just stepped out and I felt like I was in the Mojave, you know? I just, it just didn't feel good to be there. It just felt like the desert and that's not what yeah, I want. Yeah, and I can see making a place a touch more verdant with my water management. Um, but, yeah, not two, three degrees more verdant. <laughs> that brings me to, dun 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 we found a property. Maybe, hopefully. <laughs> um Every property that we've seen so far has had some kind of deal breaker, except so far this one. Um, we looked at it last weekend. It is 40 acres in Coarse Gold, California, um, which apparently used to be called Gold Gulch, which I just is so delightfully old westy. I, I can't even. Um, it is gold country. It is gold country. Yeah, it's about an hour east of Fresno and an hour west of Yosemite. Um south but south okay yeah south of yosemite west of is it sequoia national forest or maybe Ames national forest anyway sure anyway surrounded by national forest right um it's got a waterfall a seasonal waterfall but still a waterfall um like a huge seasonal creek that goes through basically the whole property there was even some water in it still when we visited in july which is crazy all of the seasonal creeks we've looked at have been totally dry in the summer rolling landscape for me it falls definitely within my greater than one percent and less than 20 percent grade not only that though like there's something ineffable about it too that i found i just i was waiting to get out of the car and look at a place and feel like it was right 
that I just had the feeling that it was supposed to be mine. And I'll be fucked if I didn't feel that when we visited both times. We went twice. Um, we went on our way up to visit Vince's mom, and then we had her come back down with us so she could look at it too. And just like thinking about where the waterfall's going to be and how pretty it's going to be in the spring. <sighs> but I have to be careful because it is so far from a done deal that if I get too emotionally invested in imagining what it'll be, it'll be bad <laughs> for me <laughs> emotionally. Um, so I need, to, I need to be a little zen and like if it's meant to be, it'll be. So now we're starting to delve into... Delve? Dive? Delve? Delve? Dove. <laughs> dove. We're starting to dove into the process of making an offer, getting financing, all of that mind-bogglingly adult stuff. Um, like I said last episode, we've saved about $40,000. Um, this place is on the market for one hundred and ten. Which is a little outside of our range. We're hoping for like 90 or under. But this place is so good. It's so good, you guys. Yeah, it is worth... It's worth $110,000. But it's just not the amount of money that we have. That we can do. as excited as we are, we also realize that every $10,000 is another year or two years that we will own the land but not be able to do anything with it. Which is going to be really frustrating. I mean, well, we can do stuff with it. We just won't have a budget. <laughs> if we can afford a pickaxe, there's a lot that I can do. I think we can afford a pickaxe. All right. Um, but so the tricky thing about buying land is that you can't get a traditional mortgage for it, which seems mean. It's just mean. Yeah. Um, I guess it's like a higher risk loan. I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's harder to resell than a house or something. But anyway, banks will not give you a mortgage. If you just want to buy vacant land. There's nothing improved about it. That's why they don't like it. With a house, even if it's, you know, a trailer that you nailed down, uh, it's improvable. It's a start. Um, And I guess that's important to banks more than, you know, mineral rights or just owning really big rocks. Sounds (laughs) like, you know, you could could put up those rocks as collateral. (laughs) Uh, I guess sometimes people do put up, like, timber and stuff as collateral when they buy land. (laughs) But it's still not a mortgage. Um, It's a land loan, I think. You can Mm. get something called a land loan, which is somewhere between a mortgage and a personal loan, I think, in terms of terms. Um, But the other thing you can do is something called seller may carry, seller is willing to carry, where you enter into like a repayment plan with or payment plan with the owner, the seller themselves. Um, So we talked to the real estate agent for this property that we love. Um, and she said that the owner would rather sell it all in one go, um, which, you know, I get. Why wouldn't she? Um, but that depending on what our offer is, maybe she'd be willing to do like a five-year payment plan with us, which maybe will work, but I feel like it's just, I think we can't afford to have more than much, much more than $500 a month in payments in addition to all of our rents and yeah, normal Yeah, we have to be realistic about our things. expenses and... Um, so I think what our next step is, is we're going to talk to our banks, talk to our credit union, talk to family members, maybe see where we can get our hands on an additional $50,000. Oh my God. What is life? Oh God. Yeah. It's pretty scary. Um, so then once we figure out where that additional 50,000 to supplement our saved 40,000 is going to come from, then we'll be able to confidently 
or terrifiedly, uh, make an offer to the seller and they'll probably not accept it because we're going to offer low because why not? We need to. Um, and they'll counter and we'll counter and maybe we'll come around to something that works for everybody and maybe we won't even be able to get any money from any banks or any family members and we won't even be able to offer. I don't know. It's, it's a scary time to be alive. So, so yeah, we will see. We will see how the next week or two unfolds now that we have gone from the research process to the, okay, we found the place we love, how do we make this shit happen phase of the process, which is still itself only like the second phase of the whole thing. Building is going to be such a project. Oh, like my. that's the real project. Even this is just all the preliminary stuff. Oh, but it's worth it. It's worth it because we get to build the life that we want. And what else is life anyway, besides like working towards something that means something to you? Like, it's okay if it takes a little while. I just want to feel like we're continuously making progress. Got anything to add there, soldier? You only live once. And if you're not living true to yourself, then what are you doing? As we heard a drunk girl say in a bar one time, you only YOLO once. Oh, it's so true, though. As true today as it was in 2017. Yeah. All right. I think that wraps it up for our search process. Um, We will have another episode soon uh, updating you about how the process has gone with making an offer and talking to banks and doing all that next phase stuff. All right. See you then. Stay frosty, bears. Sorry, I didn't know we were going.